Slayers and Slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. This time, it's exactly 20 years in one week <laughs> past its original air date. <laughs> Whatever. Um, no one has bitched at me yet about being very tardy this entire season. <laughs> so... I'll wait until you bitch at me before I uh, start to care. All right, cool. Um, So this episode is entitled Never Leave Me, was originally originally aired November 26th, 2002. The summation, according to Nikki Stafford's episode guide, Andrew's return to Sunnydale is discovered by the Scoobies, and when the bringers attack Buffy's house, Buffy finally realizes what they're up against. (laughs) Um, I'm going to read to you a couple of bits that I highlighted, or just one, one little couple of sentences that I highlighted in Nikki Stafford's episode guide, which, um, is very relevant. It's maybe I shouldn't be saying it right at the beginning before there's any context, but okay, maybe I won't, (laughs) maybe I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. I hope I remember. That's the problem, is that I may not remember. Okay, let's... Okay, so this is the episode where Andrew is taken into the fold, essentially. Not really, but he will be staying at Bobby's house from now on. Um, We figure out, finally, finally they're voicing what's going on with Spike. Um... We see Principal Wood burying Jonathan's body. So we're like, what the fuck's up with that? Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a pretty solid episode. So, um, it starts with kind of a recap in the form of Dawn being like, okay, so Spike's staying here now and he's killing people and we don't know why. And we're having him stay here so that we can wait for him to do something crazy. (laughs) And Anya's like, yeah, why don't we just stab him in the chest? I thought that's what we do when we find out that our friends are killing people. You know, because they did that to her. Buffy did that to her just a couple episodes ago. Um, And Willow is defending Spike. um, And Xander is rebuilding the windows behind the couch in the living room. And just trying to stay out of it. Which is funny because, you know... And it is pointed out in this scene that, you know, usually Xander would be the first to be like, yeah, let's kill Spike. What the fuck? But he's just like, I'm staying out of it. I'm just building the windows. That's all I'm here for. Um, And Anya says, I think we should all prepare ourselves for the possibility that William the Bloody is back. So Anya's being the rational one right now. So is Dawn. Um... As per usual, Dawn is very level-headed and awesome in this season so far. She might win MVP of the entire fucking season. I don't know. At this rate, she might. She's been amazing so far. And I really, really never noticed it before. We see Andrew in a long coat, (laughs) just like Spikes, which... Should be noted, we have not seen Spike in his long coat since he got his soul back. So it's going to be a few more episodes before he reclaims his coat. 
but uh, I can't wait for that moment. Um, turns out Jonathan's blood was not enough to open the seal. Um, so the first, as Warren and as Jonathan, is still telling Andrew that he needs to get more blood. Um, because it turns out, since Jonathan is short and anemic, it wasn't enough blood to open the seal. Um, Buffy's tying up Spike in her bedroom? I think it's her bedroom, isn't it? Yeah, she is. She's taking the day off work. Um, Dawn goes to talk to Principal Wood and tells him that, you know, she has the flu and she's puking and stuff's coming out of both ends and it's really unnecessarily graphic, which is kind of funny just because this is a believable teen thing, I feel. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay, we'll be fine without her, whatever. Um, Buffy is on the phone to Quentin, the head of the Watchers Council, uh, trying to find Giles. She can't get a hold of him. She can't find him. And Quentin's being weird and dodgy, as per usual. Um, and, okay, this is a good time to point out. This is a good time to, um, now we have a bit of context. So this is the part that I highlighted in the Nikki Stafford episode guide. Why is it that on the eve of what will inevitably be the biggest battle the world has ever known, the Watcher's Council is keeping all its information from Buffy? She was reinstated as a Slayer in Season 5, Episode Checkpoint, and with her, Giles was reinstated as an official Watcher. Therefore, it's the job of the Watcher's Council to keep her and Giles informed. Yes, as per usual, like... He's being weird and dodgy, not telling her anything, because when he when he hangs up the phone, we see from his perspective at the watch, at the Watcher's Council, he says, the girl doesn't know anything. So, presuming that they know something that she doesn't know, and they're not keeping her informed. It's the Watcher's Council. The Watchers are here to serve the Slayer, but they don't pay her, and they don't give her any goddamn information. It's so stupid. It's so stupid that they set this up as a plot point, as integral to the Buffy storyline in general. I don't get it. It's just infuriating. It's infuriating that, like, they wouldn't be in service to the one Slayer. It's only the one. What the fuck are they doing? They're all... All of these watchers are getting paid in their stuffy libraries in England. Why wouldn't their headquarters be at the Hellmouth? There are two in the known Buffyverse, one in Cleveland, one in Sunnydale. That, those are the only two I've ever heard of. There could be more. <laughs> but as far as my Buffy knowledge, and it's somewhat extensive... Those are the only two. Why wouldn't the Watcher's Council be set up next to one of those goddamn Hellmouths? They should move their entire operation to whichever Hellmouth the current Slayer is stationed at. Yes? <sighs> so, but they do say, you know, the girl knows nothing and also we need to find Giles immediately. So at least we know that they don't know what has happened to Giles. And a reminder, previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 
we saw like a giant axe behind Giles's head and we don't know if he survived it at this point. Um, this is not a spoiler free podcast. He's alive. It's okay. <laughs> but we don't know that yet as of this moment. Um, let's see. Oh, Spike is having human blood withdrawals, apparently, because he's been feasting on human blood for weeks, um, which is whatever. He's just, you know, writhing around in the chair that he's tied to. Um, oh, Andrew versus pig. So the first is trying to get Andrew to slaughter this tiny, tiny little piglet. So that's it. That's all they're missing is like a tiny piglet's worth of blood to finish opening the seal, I guess. And it's fine that it's just sitting there like whatever stupid plot point. The fact that the first is wasting its time on getting Andrew to slaughter someone when it has its bringers, which we will see, which we will meet in this episode. Again, we did meet them in the season three episode amends. I think it was season three. Yeah. Cause faith was there. We have met them before, but, um, yeah, the bringers are already trained to do the first bidding. That's like their whole deal. So why would, I don't, whatever. <laughs> See, this is the thing. The plots are not very tightly woven in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is why it can be very infuriating to analyze at times. Um, okay, whatever. So Andrew fails at slaughtering the pig, thankfully, and we see it running away and it's super fucking cute. The way that it runs away, um, it runs like my dog, Luna, she went to college this year. She's no longer with us, but she used to run like that when she was younger. She would just like run really fast. And then like her back legs would kind of both be in the air at the same time. That's the way this pig runs. It's super cute. <laughs> kind of like the way that corgis run too, you know? Um, so the first like tells Andrew, he can just go buy some blood at the butcher. Why didn't they just do that to begin with? And they wouldn't have had to kill anyone, whatever. Um, so Andrew's getting blood at the butcher shop and the, the guy that works at the butcher shop calls him Neo because of his long coat, which is cute. Um, then Willow shows up because, um, she needs to get, she's getting blood for Buffy to give to Spike. She needs animal blood because um, they're like, you know, weaning him off human blood or he can't, he's not going to have human blood anymore or whatever. I don't know. Willow's there at the butcher shop getting blood. And so she runs into Andrew and it's like, oh, what are you doing back in town? Blah, blah, blah. And then there's this funny little fight between Andrew and Willow that's really cute because all the scenes written for Andrew anytime he's in the presence of anyone else remotely nerdy, such as Willow or Xander, it's hilarious and it's amazing. And I'm so glad that Andrew is home. Andrew's home guys. It's all right. <laughs> I love Andrew so much. 
Um, we have a bunch of conversations between, I mean, Spike and Buffy's conversations in this episode are really the thing that hold the glue that holds this episode together. It's really like the, the meat of the episode. So, um, Buffy's asking Spike, you know, like, how long is it, do you think this has been going on? And they're trying to figure out what's up with him. Like, why did he go crazy and kill people? Why does he not remember it? You know, all the shit. And he's like, well, I've been losing time for a while now. Like ever since I got my soul, I just assumed that's what having a soul was like. It's been so long since I've had one, which I, that feels plausible to me, honestly, that he would be confused by this whole thing. I think I've mentioned that before. Um, and they're talking and you know, she is asking him like how he got his soul back. And he's like, I went to see a man about a girl, blah, blah, blah. There were some trials pain and suffering, blah, blah, blah. And she, and then he says something to the effect of, but it's all relative, isn't it? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he says, I've come to redefine the words pain and suffering since I fell in love with you. And I think that that's really poignant. However you say that word. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Poignant, poignant. I think it's poignant. Um, I think that that's meaningful what he said. I've come to redefine the terms pain and suffering since I fell in love with you. That makes sense to me. Um, really does. And then he says to her, you used me. And of course, and then he says, of course you told me that, which is why she kind of like broke it off with him, um, towards the end of the last season, because she realized that she was using him. And he says, you hated yourself and you took it out on me. Not wrong. Spike has always been very emotionally intelligent. He sees aspects of Buffy that no one else does, you know? Um, oh, I just wrote Andrew paying attention to Xander. So there's this moment where like, this whole thing with Anya and Xander, like torturing Andrew for information. <laughs> and it's just funny. And she has slapped him. And then, um, Xander goes to talk to Anya or whatever, you know, makes him think that he's talking sense into her or whatever. And he comes back in and talks to Andrew and tells Andrew about like, you know, how unhinged Anya is or something doing like a good cop, bad cop kind of thing, you know? And the way that Andrew just sort of like sidles up to pay attention to Xander is just, I just watched him throughout that entire scene. <laughs> and just the way that Tom Link, who plays Andrew, the way that he just like, I don't know. I just love him so much. <laughs> just the way that he, he's just such a good actor. That's probably why they brought him back. It's amazing. Um, I love him so much. I wish that they had allowed him to be out, you know, cause we find out in the comics later that Andrew's character is gay. We assume that he's gay, you know, at this point, but he's just a queer coded character throughout the actual TV series. We never get to like the only person that's allowed to be gay in Buffy is Willow, unfortunately. And I get some of the reasoning behind that. Like there's been interviews with Joss Whedon where he said, you know, like 
that he had thought briefly about making Xander gay because he wanted to make one of the main cast gay at some point. I guess have them come out or whatever. And he decided that it should be Willow because this is a feminist show, so so it should be about the female characters more than anything. And I guess that was might have been part of the argument why they didn't let Andrew be out and gay, but seems dumb, you know? But it was 2002. <laughs> Having more than one out gay character was probably... I mean, besides just, like, anybody that's the love interest of Willow also being gay, but I guess it just was too much to have, like, you know, more than one main character on a TV show be gay. Um, or, I mean, I guess Andrew wouldn't have been a main character, but anyway, whatever. We never get him, he doesn't get to be out in the Buffy show, but he does come out later in the comics, just so you know. Um, where are we? Buffy goes to check on Andrew. There's like a little bit of a kerfuffle because of the torturing of Andrew, whatever. Like <laughs> Anya's getting really into it. Um, Buffy goes to check on Andrew. Um, Spike gets triggered while she's out of the room for a second. She comes back in and Spike just like hulks out of the chair that he's tied to. And like reaches through the wall and grabs Andrew. I had never understood this until this time watching it, but it's because Andrew is about to tell everything he knows to um, Anya and Xander. And that, I, I mean, that's such an odd, so obvious, but I had never understood it. I had never understood why, like, when Spike gets triggered in this moment, he goes for Andrew immediately. I never understood that, but it's because he's about to tell them everything. Like, it's so obvious. Like, yeah, I just, I'm pretty daft. <laughs> if I've, if I'm not supposed to be paying attention, if I'm not sitting there taking notes and reading the subtitles and watching the episodes multiple times, I don't know what the fuck's going on and I don't care. <laughs> It's fine that Buffy's plots aren't very airtight, because normally I don't notice. <laughs> but anyway, he reaches right through the wall and grabs Andrew and starts, like, like bites him. Starts draining his blood. Um, and, of course, Buffy saves him and blah, blah, blah. And then she ties Spike up in the basement. Instead, like, more secure chains. She just has like shackles and chains and shit in the basement, I guess. Whatever. Um, oh, and they figure it out at this point. Like Buffy's like, it looked like he just turned into a completely different person. I was out of the room for a second, blah, blah, blah. And then Xander's like, it's a trigger. And he explains the whole concept of like a military trigger and blah, blah, blah. So we now finally know, I mean, I've been calling it a trigger for episodes now, but I just didn't know when we knew we as in the collective, like, TV show and characters and everybody, but now we know what's going on. And, um, we see Principal Wood going to the basement with the shovel. He finds Jonathan. He doesn't seem at all shocked by it. Later, I wrote this down already, but we actually don't see this until much later in the episode. We see Principal Wood burying Jonathan, like, somewhere, like, in the woods or somewhere somewhere outside, we see him burying Jonathan. So he took Jonathan's body into his car to go bury it somewhere. What the fuck, Principal Wood? And even, like, 
at this point, like, did I say this already? Sorry if I said this already, but at this point it's like, what? I don't think I've said it already. Why? Because I think we find out. And again, I don't totally remember. It's been many years since I've seen season seven. So it's possible that I'm misremembering it. But I think we find out that Principal Wood know, knew all along that Buffy is the Slayer. So why would he, at this point, I mean, we can assume that he knows, knowing what we know about him from the future, like at this point in the series, we don't know anything about Principal Wood, but like in spoilerful land that we live in now, 20 years later, we know that he knows about Slayer shit. I can't remember specifically if he knows that Buffy's the Slayer, but I think he does. I think that's the whole reason that he hired her in the first place. So if he knows, he has to know that some shit's going down, he he knows that much because, you know, we find out later he's a good guy. So he's just burying Jonathan because Hellmouth stuff. Maybe he doesn't know more than that other than he just realizes it's Hellmouth stuff. So he's burying Jonathan, sad, whatever. But like, wouldn't he go to Buffy? Wouldn't he at this point be like, some shit's going down. I should let you know that I do know that you're a slayer. My mom was a slayer. Here's her bag full of crap. You know, like, why would he not have gone? Mm. Anyway, <laughs> this is the episode of like, if I think about it, even a little bit, I'm angry about a lot of things, a lot of loose ends. So Spike's in the basement now. And this is where we get the second big conversation between Spike and Buffy. So I wrote down a lot of the stuff that they say to each other. So this is just going to be a bunch of quotes. So Spike is saying to Buffy, Buffy, you have to kill me. Like she explains the whole concept of a trigger to him. Like this is what we think is happening, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Buffy, you have to kill me. You've never. And then he starts like saying, you've never met the real me. Like, seriously, this is me. You've never met the real me. You know, you've gotten it you've gotten off easy, believe me. And then he starts saying stuff like, do you want to know what I've done to girls Dawn's age? Have you ever? And he like goes into like detail of like, do you know how much blood you can drain from a girl before she stops crying or what? Cause you want, you want to make sure that she's still crying, but you know, whatever. He just has a bunch of, he's trying to goad her into killing him. And which, I mean, he's saying tr true shit, but he's trying to goad her into killing him. And then he says, have you ever asked yourself why you can't do it off me? It's not love. We both know that. You like men who hurt you. And then he goes on to say some stuff about like the, you need the hate and the violence so that you can do your job. And he's not wrong. And even though my mom always argues, she's like, yes, she does love him. Nope. She doesn't love him. She doesn't love him. And yeah, every, everything is right that he's saying, <laughs> have you ever asked yourself why you can't do it off me? It's not love. We both know that you like men who hurt you. So it's interesting. 
because it it is still kind of a question for me like why is she keeping him around she's obviously very fascinated by him and she likes how he makes her feel so it must be right the whole you like men who hurt you i mean she was completely bored by riley who treated her with respect so it makes sense and it makes sense too partially because of angel because like when she fell in love with him she didn't have this sort of self-hatred thing going on at the time but it was her first love and he turned out to be a complete asshole when she opened herself up fully to him you know symbolized by losing her virginity blah 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 so it makes sense that like love in her mind is twisted into this like torturous thing you know which for <laughs> for the in that case for that what is the phrase i'm trying to think of whatever but in the same respect spike also has a pretty demented view of love as well you know but ever since he got his soul he's been a lot more um even though he's been like crazy half the time he has been a lot more mature in some senses in the moments where he's not being crazy he's kind of being mature right and then buffy says some really sweet shit to spike she says i saw you change which immediately makes me think of that uh what is it like lincoln park or something <laughs> from um queen of the damned soundtrack i saw you change sorry um she says, you faced the monster inside of you and you fought back. You risked everything to be a better man. And then she says, one of the things that Spike has wanted to hear from her, one of the things that we've seen Buffy as the first say to him several times, um, we see her actually say it to him. She says, I believe in you, Spike. So very sweet. Then the bringers show up. Um, for some reason, like I always used to call them the harbingers is bringers just a shortened form of harbingers. Like, I feel like in that amends episode in season three, they were called harbingers. I don't know, but they're always called bringers from this point forward. They're just like monk looking dudes whose eyes have been scratched out and there's like runes covering up their eyes. I don't know enough about runes to know which runes they are, but <laughs> maybe it doesn't matter. Um, they show up. Um, there's a whole bunch of them, like six to 10 of them or so. I don't know. I didn't count, but so everybody's fighting them. Dawn is a fucking badass, although she ends up being kind of damseled and like Xander has to save her, but I mean, it's fine. Like they're human. Like they would need to save each other. Right. But she really did look like a total badass while she was fighting them, like flipping them over and kicking and like, yeah, it was good. Man, Dawn's awesome. Turns out um, the whole situation was a distraction to get Spike out of the basement, and they got him. And they're taking him to the Seal of Danzelthar to bleed him. They've got him all tied up, and they've 
like carved runes into his chest and he's bleeding onto the seal. And, um, but okay. Before that, so I got ahead of myself a little bit. Um, Buffy says to everyone, like, she's like one of the bringers is dead in her house. And she's like, I fought these guys before all of this, all of this is connected. It's all one thing. The ghosts that are haunting Spike, the, the people that you guys talk to in conversations with dead people. She doesn't say that, but you know, <laughs> um, it's all one thing. It's the first. And I just thought that was, I don't know. Yeah. It was, it's the first. I don't know why I started a sentence with, I thought that was because what did I think it was? I don't know. Oh, probably just because like the way that she presented it, I just feel like in real life, she would have just been like, it's the first, I know what it is. It wouldn't have been this like big dramatic speech, but of course it was a big dramatic speech because it's a TV show. But, um, so then we get this moment where we see them at the watchers council um, they're talking about how they're preparing for a big war. Quentin does this huge speech about like, I don't know, like these are the moments that make you and then at the end of his super rousing speech, we get like a shot of the watchers council from the outside and it blows up. So the entire watchers council, all the people at that particular headquarters, I guess, um, are dead now. No more Quentin, no more watchers council. This is the end of the watchers council right here. Um, in the comics, it ends up being just like, um, a collection of slayers really that kind of reform some, some, I don't know if they even call it the watchers council. They probably don't, but, um, I can't remember. Do you guys think I should read the comics and talk about the comics? God, that might be exhausting. I have them all. Um, but I didn't like them very much. Of course, I'm not, I'm not a great comic reader. Like I still kind of have trouble with the format of comics. Like it's just hard for me to keep up with paying attention to the imagery in the way that you're supposed to, when you're reading comics, um, it it's disjointed for me because when I'm reading words, I'm only paying attention to words and then I forget to pay attention to the pictures and like, so comic book reading has never really worked for me. So it might not be the fault of the Buffy comics. You know what I mean? But anyway, um, oh, okay. Um, do you guys remember? Probably not because probably no one else cares. But the seal of Danzelthar, I had said at one point, like a few episodes ago, when whenever we saw it, it was it's kind of like you know a reverse pentacle goat's head Baphomet situation, with some astrological symbols. And I had recognized the symbol for Libra on there, but I got a better look of it look at it this time whenever Spike was being bled out, and there are two astrological symbols on it: Taurus and Libra, which, you know, like it's probably just an accident because they liked the way those two symbols looked next to each other. But I just thought that was interesting because, okay, I'm probably reading too much into it, but 
I'm kind of an astrology nerd. <laughs> Taurus and Libra are the two astrological signs that are ruled by the planet Venus. And the planet Venus is like the planet of women, essentially. It's the symbol that you associate with women, the circle with like the little cross hanging down. Um, that's the symbol for Venus and the symbol for women. And that's why the whole women are from Venus, men are from Mars, bullshit, you know, there you go. So my theory is, <laughs> this is just a little backhanded, women are evil to have the symbol of Libra and the symbol of Taurus because they're both ruled by Venus. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably, that's a stretch. But, um, anyway, and women are demons and all that stuff. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. I wonder if they picked those two astrological symbols specifically because they're both ruled by Venus. We'll never know, really. Probably no one has ever even fucking brought that up <laughs> in any Buffy podcast ever. Hopefully I'm the first to notice something. Um, I, I gotta be the first at something, right? Um, and then, okay, so it ends with, like, spikes being bled out, and the first, in the form of Buffy, says to Spike, you wanna see what a real vampire looks like? And then she bleeds him, and then, like, his blood opens the seal, and it, you know, like, the, the star points all point up and go down in like a Hellraiser box situation and like and we see the first uber vamp which is what they end up calling it but it just looks like a Nosferatu looking motherfucker essentially all like claws and a bald head and like teeth everywhere and wearing a leather outfit because why not <laughs> so there you go. That is the episode Never Leave Me. I feel like that was like a really short episode. Let's do ratings, I guess. So object of the episode is, um, the only thing I noticed was Willow's shirt. So she's wearing this sort of like bell sleeve, dark purple velvet with like lace trim. It's like not a v-neck exactly but it, I don't know what you call it when it's like the slit in the top that makes it sort of look like a v but it's not I don't know I don't know what you call that but it's basically like a purple velvet with with purple lace trim has like the bell sleeve situation um and it's just a nice shirt she paired it with a necklace that didn't match and some low rise jeans. So it's not the whole outfit that I want. It's just the shirt <laughs> outfit of the episode. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. What is Buffy wearing throughout the episode? I don't even remember what Buffy's wearing. Something stupid. Probably. Um, Anya was wearing like a mesh shirt that had a, like a buck on it. It looked like a hunting shirt, but it was in that way that 2002 was just like bad fashion. It was just 
bad. So no one gets outfit of the episode. I'm just going to put not applicable. At this point, there are no outfits of the episode. Hardly ever. <laughs> quote of the episode. What is the quote? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't write one down. I mean, I wrote some quotes down, but they were part of longer conversations. There was nothing that just like really stood out as a, an amazing quote or anything. Um, Andrew calls Willow a she-witch and there's this funny little exchange where she's like, yeah, I am. I'm a very powerful she-witch or witch as is more accurate or something like that, but it's not really a good quote. So I'm just going to say not applicable for that one as well. <laughs> MVP. Um, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to give it to Dawn just because, I mean, is she the most important person in this episode? No, but I just, I was impressed by her more than once in this episode. And so I'm just going to give it to her because I want to, and it's my podcast. Damn it. Um, five by five. I mean, it's a perfectly serviceable episode that furthers the plot, the overall arc of season seven. It's, it's good. There's some really great, powerful conversations between Buffy and Spike. Um, so yeah, everything's good. We've, we've got Andrew in the fold now. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's great. It's, it's not an episode that like when I hear the title, never leave me, I necessarily remember, um, what it is but it's perfectly serviceable. So I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. I feel like I give everything three and a half out of five. And that is it for another two weeks. We will be back on the 17th of December, hopefully, unless I'm a week late, it could happen, <laughs> but I'll be back in the next two to four weeks because this is the only episode in December we have to talk about. So at some time during the month of December, I will come back to talk about the next episode, which is called, what is it called? Let me consult the episode guide. Bring on the night. Yeah. Bring on the night. Um, as Spike is tortured by Drusilla slash the first, Ooh, I forgot we get to see Drusilla. Nice. That's going to be fun. Because, you know, torture scenes, not that fun. But when Drusilla is torturing Spike, that's fun. Okay, as Spike is tortured by Drusilla slash the first, Giles returns with, with some new house guests and Buffy finds out how powerful the new enemy is. So this is the first time we're going to see her really get beat down by the uber vamp, I think. Um, and yeah, so... And we finally get to see Giles again. Yay. Um, okay. So that's it for me. Kind of a short episode today, but, um, yeah. How are you guys doing? Are you all right? Are you good? How was Thanksgiving? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. That's it. I don't really have anything to talk about. Um, except Buffy and we did that. So Bye.